Good morning, Woodmont, and welcome to worship. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Loving God, open our hearts and our minds that we can hear a word from you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. Today is a very special day in the life of our church because today we are celebrating the baptisms of our disciples class. Uh, these fifth graders have been meeting with Reverend Justin Gung, with their mentors uh, for the past six weeks, and they've been talking about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to uh, make a confession of faith, to be baptized, to join the church. And so today uh, we're celebrating with their families uh, this very uh, momentous uh, and grand occasion. Baptism is a holy sacrament. It's one of two sacraments that we have in our church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of a divine and invisible grace. Through baptism, we seek to be faithful to Jesus's great commission when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then he said, remember, I am with you always until the end of the age. He gave us that promise. Baptism marks the beginning of the Christian journey. It does not mean that we have arrived. It means that we have made a commitment to give our lives to Christ, to follow his teachings, to be faithful to his commandments, and to live a life of discipleship. Earlier this week, I got the chance to do something that I have never done before, and it's been on my bucket list for many years. I got to travel to Augusta, Georgia, to attend the practice rounds on Monday and Tuesday for the Masters Golf Tournament. Now, this is uh, probably my favorite sporting event of the year. I love watching it on TV. I've watched it my entire life, but I have never had the chance to actually go there and be there in person. And what I want to say about Augusta National Golf Club, what struck me about it was not just the sheer beauty of the course and the pine trees and the azaleas, but what struck me was watching the players and all the time that they spend on the driving range, on the chipping range, and on the putting green. They practice and they practice and they talk to their caddies about the shots that they're going to have in the tournament and how they're going to approach them and how they're going to think about them. These guys are so good at golf because they practice all the time. They don't just show up and play. They practice to hone their skills so that they can master the game of golf. And I got to thinking, why don't we approach our Christian walk this same way? We too are called to practice what Jesus teaches us and what he told us to do throughout his life and ministry. We're called to practice that over and over again. And when we practice it, it becomes a pattern. But if we don't practice it, we struggle we get off track. And when hard times come, and they always do, 
then we have a much more difficult time handling it from a spiritual perspective. Think about that. What I want to do today is I want to share some basic wisdom and some basic advice to our disciples class, to our young people who are really beginning their Christian journey. I want to talk to them honestly about the importance of today and also about what the Christian uh, journey looks like and will look like throughout their lives. And so I'm going to share five pieces of advice or wisdom with our young people and with all of you this morning. The first one is this. The Christian faith is first and foremost about having an ongoing and healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship must be bigger than denominations. It must be bigger than churches or church politics or structure or any of the other things that organized religion can often throw at us. And everybody's relationship with Christ is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. Many Christians are guilty of getting so caught up in theology and creeds and doctrines, fighting over social issues, getting mad at other people, that they often neglect the most important thing, which is nurturing their relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing Christ to change our hearts, to change our life, to change the way that we think and act. To really understand what it means to be a Christian, we first have to understand the nature and character of Christ. What did he teach? How did he treat other people? What was his life and ministry all about? What did he mean when he talked about the kingdom of God? What was important to him? Why does forgiveness matter? These questions are very, very important. As Christians, the way that we know God is by knowing Christ. Christ is God incarnate. And we must nurture that relationship and grow in it every single day. And it's a lifelong relationship. And it's the most important relationship that we have because it affects all of our other relationships. Our faith and our relationship with Christ affects our marriage. It affects our family relationships, our friendships, and everything else in life. Secondly, Christianity is centered and grounded in love. But love is not as simple as it sounds. Paul writes to the Romans in our text this morning, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love is, is not always easy because life is difficult. Being human is difficult. Love is not always convenient. Love is not always returned. Love is an intentional choice that we have to make. Remember the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, on these two things hang all the law and the prophets. If you love, you can't go wrong. You might get hurt. You might get burned. You might get disappointed, but you can't go wrong. In the book of 1 John, it says that we should love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
And the love that I'm talking about must be evident, not just in what we say, but it must be evident in the way that we live, in the way that we interact, the way that we treat people, both strangers and the people that we care about the most. And remember, love includes forgiveness, practicing forgiveness on a regular basis, because if we don't forgive, then how can we expect others to forgive us? And if we don't forgive, I'm convinced that we will carry a burden, a load through life that is far too great. Paul also tells us that love is patient and love is kind. It is not irritable or envious. It's not resentful or arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. If you had to sum up the Christian faith with one word, that word would be love. Not love as a noun, but love as a verb. Love put into action in our lives. Christ came to teach us how to love, but love is complicated and it's often very difficult. And so we have to keep trying day after day after day. The third thing that I want to share with our disciples class, our young Christians today, is that Christianity requires and demands ongoing commitment and sacrifice. And this includes generosity, supporting the mission of the church. April is our stewardship month here at Woodmont. We haven't had a stewardship campaign in two years uh, because of the pandemic starting last spring. And so our stewardship campaign this year, chaired by John and Monty Steele, the theme of it is rising strong together. And we're asking for your help in supporting Woodmont for another church year that begins in July. One of my biggest fears about Christianity in the 21st century, especially in America, is that it will become a religion of convenience and not of conviction. It will become a religion that affluent people just kind of squeeze into their schedules whenever they have time but it will frequently take a back seat to so many other things. That's what I fear because so many times, unfortunately, that's what I see. Rapid secularization is a great challenge to the faith. COVID has not helped over the past year because people are out of the practice of going to church and worshiping and reading their Bibles and even praying. People are out of practice. Part of the sacrifice that I'm talking about includes reading your Bible on a regular basis, praying daily, serving other people. We have our Habitat build this weekend and next weekend, forgiving others, giving your time and your money and your talent, going to worship, being in a class or a small group. These things must be intentional priorities. You cannot be a Christian alone. It happens in a community. The baptisms this morning are happening in a community. Whether you're in the sanctuary or you're watching on the screen, we're all a part of the community affirming the baptisms of our young people. It's been said before that the Christian faith is much more likely to be caught than taught. And I think that that's true. When we come together as people of faith, we lift each other up and we energize each other. We help each other grow spiritually. We support each other. When we drift away and we spend too much time by ourselves, too much time disconnected or isolated, our spirit can fade and even die. 
What does it mean to grow in the spiritual life? What does it mean to grow deeper in your spiritual walk, your faith walk? I always come back to Galatians chapter five, where Paul says, these are the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of these things do we have in our lives? And as we move into this spring, which, which fruit of the Spirit do you need to practice more and get more of in your life? I believe that the pace of our lives threatens our ability to grow spiritually. And if we don't take the time to be still, to be quiet, time to reflect, time to nurture our faith and our ability to connect with God, will become much more challenging. We will run ourselves into the ground and be distracted the whole time. Faith requires commitment. Spiritual growth requires commitment. Fourth, this morning, Jesus calls us to be around people and to serve people that are not like us and to also serve people who are less fortunate. In Galatians, Paul writes, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says to the Galatians. Jesus constantly pushed the social norms of his day. He associated with people that were considered outcasts and sinners. And he calls us, I believe, out of our comfort zones to be around and to serve people that are not like us. Jesus clearly said in Matthew 25, just as you do it to the least of these who are members of my family, you do it unto me. So maybe it's uh, going to build the Habitat House. Maybe it's helping with flood, flood relief with Hope Force, and they've been staying on our campus this past week. Maybe it's volunteering over at Fall Hamilton to be a, um, a reader or a, a, a lunch buddy. Wh whatever it is, you know, we have to serve and give back uh, in some way. Lastly, this morning, the fifth piece of advice that I'm going to give to the young people is to reiterate what I said on Easter, and that is to be a Christian, I believe we are called to live with an Easter mindset. And part of an Easter mindset means that we are committed to living out the Great Commission. We're called to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach them what Jesus has commanded, and remember that Christ is with us always till the end of the age. If your faith makes a difference in your life, if your faith changes your heart, if it changes the way that you see the world, if it changes your relationships, then you will want to go out and share that and spread that. And now is an incredible time to share our faith, to live out the Great Commission. There are so many people uh, who continue to live afraid and in fear full of anxiety, full of hopelessness. And so we are called to go out and reach them and let them know that there is a better way to live. But we have to be intentional in choosing to do this. Our mindset and our attitude is a choice. And so on Easter, I said, 
I hope you'll choose the Easter mindset. I hope you'll live in hope and not fear. I hope you'll remember that, that, that God always has the final word. And God, through Christ, if we're open to it, can and will change our lives. So to the disciples class, we want to say congratulations today. We're proud of you. We're happy for you along with your family. We pledge our support as a church to continue to guide you and nurture you, not just today, but in the coming years. And remember, you are beginning an incredible journey that is lifelong and it's full of ups and downs. It will be full of joys and sorrows, but the greatest blessing about the Christian life is that we journey together. We do this together. So always remember that. Always remember your baptism and that we are called to follow Christ. Amen.